Hello, welcome to another episode of A Sermon in His People. I think that's the name we're going to stick with. Until next week, I'm sure we'll come up with a different name. I'm Pastor Witt here with Pastor Victor Rodriguez. Hello, hello. Victor, how are you doing? Very good. How are you? Pretty good, pretty good. You know, chilling, chilling. <laughs> uh, we are in Romans. We chapter started, 2. We started chapter 2 this past week, and you got to preach uh, chapter 2 for our bilingual service, and you preached in Spanish? In Spanish. It was translated into English. How was that for you? How is the preaching Spanish translation English? Is it difficult as a pastor or as a, as a like preaching? Is it? Difficult? Yeah, I think it add another level of of difficulty because you're. I mean, you have a thought in your mind or uh, an outline that you're trying to follow, but you always have to wait for the right. translator. So you're used to preaching a certain way. Mm-hmm. And and then you have to do it in a different way every time you're translating. I, I think it's more difficult. It's, it's good that we can get together um, English and Spanish and do it that way. It's, it's beautiful. Beautiful picture of the gospel, mm-hmm. but it's a little bit more complicated. Yeah, because it's not just like, you're not just reading, you know, and just talking. You are trying to preach. There's a nuance in how you speak you're emphasizing things you know you're slowing down you're speeding up yeah yeah i'm not, I'm not reading i'm not reading a sermon uh, a sermon yeah i'm i'm preaching so i have an outline it's a very detailed outline that i'm following right but i'm saying stuff that is not in the outline mm-hmm. and when i get to that i i, I just want to share it i want to <laughs> i don't want to have to uh, stop every every statement uh, and wait but it's is part of of the uh, dynamic of, of of a bilingual service is is complicated, but I think it's it's worth it when we are um, displaying that picture of of the gospel um, mm-hmm. every time we do it. Yeah. So we're in Romans chapter two, verses one through eleven. What would you say is the main point of chapter two, verses one through eleven? In a very uh, short sentence, is basically Paul telling the moralist uh you also need the gospel um now expanding on the on that sentence i think there is um this imaginary as i said in in the preaching this imaginary character that maybe is listening to the list of sins and what the pagan uh person is doing in chapter one and the way that paul is describing that and maybe saying amen to that Mm -hmm. saying amen this person changed the uh, glory of god for image of man Mm -hmm. Uh, it changed um the truth for for lies it changed and therefore god delivered them to uh their own depraved uh, mind and all that so maybe this person is saying amen amen that's true that's true um and now paul turns to this person and says, and, and you, you don't have an excuse either. Mm. Like, they need the gospel because their sin is very external, and you need the gospel because the root of your heart is the same as them. You also need the gospel because um, your sin is internal. So you're a sinner too, therefore, you need the gospel. So that's basically the, the summary of, of that section. So reflecting on your sermon, is there anything that... <clears throat> You know, you kind of looked back on, maybe because of time or just kind of hindsight. Is there something that you didn't get to really say or explain more that you wanted to maybe 
give time to now? Yes, m- maybe the part of uh, repentance. Okay. I think there is um, a way that Paul is saying in verse 4 specifically. He asks a question, or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? Mm. Um, if I have to do it again, I'd probably emphasize more on calling people to repentance. Mm. Like, I think this um, behavior of being a moralist and relying on your own moral strength to salvation and to Mm -hmm. be good with God, I think is something that we all have. And if we notice that we are struggling with that and we are doing that, I think we need to... I would have been more clear on if this is you, repent. Like, stop Mm -hmm. trusting in you. I think I said it, but maybe emphasizing on... Yeah. This is not the way. I think we are not, as Christians, we're not saying, I believe in my own works for salvation. Right. But in practice, I think that yeah. we feel great with God when we are doing stuff. A, a, a functional moralist. We're not, yes. we're not, we wouldn't say I'm a moralist, but functionally how we're Exactly. Living. So yeah. when I pray, read my Bible, I meditate on, on, on what I read in the Bible, yeah. and for some reason, I think that God is more happy with me that day than the day that I'm busy and and I cannot yeah. uh, do it. Uh, like, but I think this takes like mm-hmm. careful, like dissection, uh, dissecting it, because we would say it is better when you spend time with God. Oh, in definitely. Word and prayer, definitely. And He is pleased with us when we do those things. Yes. So what's the hiccup then? I think the the difference is when when we think that God is more pleased when I do it. Because God is yeah. pleased yes. with us in Christ. If we yeah. are in Christ, yeah. he is as pleased as he can be with us because we are in Christ. Right. So I, I that think, is not going to change. Yeah, that's really important because right now in Romans, because we're going through this, and really he's... He's heightening justification mm-hmm. at this point. He's going to get to sanctification mm-hmm. later. But that can be confusing for us in how we think about those things because they're not the same. Mm-hmm. In justification, like, you're married. Yeah. If you do the dishes, you're not more married. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> you know, exactly. Like, uh, you're not, and I think, it's not, as for maybe the language, pleased, or, I would say you're not more loved by God. Mm-hmm. He's not like, now I love you. Yeah. Because, no, he loves you. Mm-hmm. And you, but we can do things that please him and displease him, but that doesn't make us more unified to him, not more saved, mm-hmm. not more loved by him. But you can also do things that displease him. But it's not like every time I upset my wife, we become divorced, remarried, divorced, remarried. Yeah, you know, that's more of a Catholicism view. Yeah, like, it, it yeah. will be more on 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 connecting the point with uh, with justification. Absolutely, yeah. I I think that that please that that I'm talking is is yeah. more. Salvific. Salvific, exactly. Yeah, that's good. So I think we are, as much as as we need to, uh, and we like to do stuff, and yes, we feel better when we do it, but Mm -hmm. the same way, I mean, most of the struggle Mm -hmm. comes when, and this is more the sanctification part, Yeah. when we are not uh, 
following the disciplines of the ordinary means of grace. Mm -hmm. And then we feel like completely disconnected from God, which I think there is a connection. Yes, of course, if you don't read the Bible, if you don't come to church, if you don't do the ordinary means of grace... Yes, you're going to be disconnected. Yeah, you're not, you're right? not, you're not unmarried. Exactly. There, there may be a strain exactly. in your relationship mm -hmm. if you don't ever talk to your wife, mm -hmm. you don't ever listen to her, you yeah. don't ever. Maybe, maybe doing that connection, like by faith and by the grace of God, you're justified. Right. But by grace and by faith right. is that you walk in sanctification. Yeah. Maybe making that connection uh, and connecting faith. with repentance. I yeah. think those were the th two things, going back to your original yeah. question. Yeah. Uh, no, the, the two things that maybe we can uh, touch and, and, and emphasize a little bit more. So, so maybe explain that a little bit more of, okay, maybe you want to emphasize that repentance. What would that look like for the moralist, right? That's kind of how you're addressing in the sermon to the people of Park. Repent if you find yourself more like practically. What the, what what would that might look like for someone this week? If that is the case, like I'm, I'm, I'm a moralist, I'm convinced, convicted. How, yeah. how do I repent? If that is the case, I'm convinced that is is a blind spot that you have. Okay. Like if because I don't think you're gonna be pushing for that in in on on like willingly and, and purposefully. Yeah. I, I want to do like that and be a, a functional moralist. No, yeah. I, you're not planning that, but it's, it's a blind side. When you hear a message like that, probably the same, the first thing is that you're being confronted. Hmm. I think the first thing is, is like realizing if in fact that is really you or not. Right. Because you're hearing that from the pulpit and you're comparing what you're hearing with your life, right. and you're being like pushed, like maybe that's me, maybe I'm doing that, right. but maybe you're not convinced that it's you. I think one, one good thing, and this is the importance of, of having godly uh, friendship and godly relationship and people in the church that, that you can have a conversation and right. say, hey, um, according to that message, according to what Paul said in, in chapter 2, I think that I have some tendencies of being a moralist. Have you seen any of these tendencies in my life? Right. I think inviting uh, mature Christians in in your life uh, for them to evaluate if if mm -hmm. that is in fact uh, something that is happening in in you is yeah. is a good first step. That's good. Like once you hear that, I mean, you have to be open. Yeah. For that person to tell you. Yes, definitely. That, that's yeah. you. And and if that's you, uh then moving next steps on okay, I, I need to I need to repent. How yeah. how do, does repentance look like right. for something like this? Yeah. Uh, so and and I think that will be another conversation. So you would say it depends on like not just moralism in general, but also like where you find yourself being a moralist mm -hmm. in. So like if someone was cuz I think there's different areas immediately come probably comes to your mind as well for like myself, but also for the people who are in the church, maybe it is your quiet time mm -hmm. that you're like, you're putting a value to it. It's, it's good. God is pleased by it. We should do it. We should feel happy when we do it, but it's also, I'm, I'm not earning God's favor when I do mm -hmm. it or how am I doing in my marriage or how am I serving the church or, you know, there's these different areas. Maybe give me, give me an example of, okay, I'm finding myself, you know, becoming a legalist, becoming a moralist with my quiet time. How do I repent of that? Because I think 
sometimes our I see our tendency of like oh, I'll stop doing that thing. Mm-hmm. That's how I repent. Well, it's like well, you don't stop having a quiet time mm-hmm. because you're becoming. Yeah, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I don't think I, I think when you're having a quiet time, of course you're you're getting fed by the word of word of God, and you're having that time of intimacy with God and. No, don't change that. Yeah. Like I, I think is what what are you doing with that? Mm-hmm. Like how many, with how many people are you sharing what you're getting uh, from your time with God? Right. I think it's is not what you're doing at the moment. Is maybe what you're not doing with what God is giving you from from the teachings that that mm-hmm. you're getting from scriptures. I yeah. I think very important, like the the moralist view or the moralist in us most of the time it's going to be displayed with the way that we see other people. Yeah. So not because of our goodness and I'm being so great in my disciplines right. that, oh my God, I'm so we, good. No. Like chapter two, so we yeah. become a judge to other people. Exactly. Because, I think it's, yeah. it's, it's connected to how we see other people. Mm-hmm. So we have some tendencies mm-hmm. and then we start looking at the sin of other people. Remember, chapter one, the sin of that is explain in, in, in the end of chapter one. Yeah. Mostly it's a sin that is external. It's a sin that you can you can tell from the outside. Right. Yes, that is a sin. In chapter two, the moralist, this is a sin that is inside. Right. So nobody can see it. Mm-hmm. I mean they can see the fruit of it. They can right. see the actions, but they cannot see what's going on in your heart. Yeah. I think that's why it's so much uh difficult. Uh someone that is uh immersed in, in in a sin that is external that person knows yeah that i mean that that sin is external the sin that is internal that's what i said is is, is blind i mean yeah. you, you don't see it sometimes yeah. and so yeah I, I think how are you um looking at the sin of others how alarmed are, yeah. are you with the sin of others mm-hmm. and how you use that to minimize your own sin yeah that's really good because you said like how are we looking at other people that may be a good way to help see those blind things of are there certain sins that people are doing or like if it's if the sin is you know you're moralist with your quiet time are you now looking down on people when they're like oh yeah i've missed my quiet time you're like well how could you you know how Mm -hmm. how, you know do do better it's like well no like they're you're just as guilty as them you know and maybe a different area or in the heart of it you're becoming that's your justifying factor. You, you've now said Christ isn't enough for me. Mm-hmm. If I do, if I read my Bible and pray in the morning, mm-hmm. now God loves me. It's like no, you're you're minimizing the work of Christ when you do that. So you're just as guilty as they are for their sin. So I think that's good. Do you have pity? Do you have compassion towards people, or are you judgmental and angry with people? That's good. Is, is there something else maybe there of what they should do? I mean, I think first thing. Maybe not overlook it. Confess your sin to God. You know, I think sometimes we yeah, get, that's a, that's a good idea. We get we get that's you know we go straight to like <laughs> all right, let me let me undo something, but in re- reality, the first thing we should do is go to God and say I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> yeah, I yeah. think sometimes we minimize confession. Sometimes we overemphasize confession. Like if you just confess your sin and you're okay. Like that's mm-hmm. repentance. It's like well, no, there's more to repentance than just confessing. But there, it's not less than mm-hmm. you know confess your sin to God and ask for forgiveness and ask for help. Um, anything else here in this section of okay, judge, patience, repentance that you want to emphasize or talk about? I mean, no, just uh, making a, a real um, 
evaluation of of us if we are or not displaying the goodness of God in our life. Okay. I think that would be something that we need to to pursue yeah. like as Christians. Yes, I'm going by the book. I'm I'm going like A B C. I'm I'm the to-do list is right there. I'm really? doing it great. Um, the question will be, is is the other people seeing Jesus in you? Mm. Like, are they able to see that there's something different, that there's a hope that you have mm-hmm. um, with the way that you live? Yeah. So uh, th- I think that, that will be the, the main thing. Uh, the Pharisees and the moralists and the Jews, um, they will be people that were very uh, influential and maybe the sinner, the external sinners will look at them uh, and say, wow, I, I, I probably will never be able to do that. Yeah. But they were looking at this figure that is unreachable, right? not necessarily looking at Jesus. So we want right. to show Jesus with, with our goodness and, and the, the works that in the first place is God putting those works yeah. in, in us because of what he accomplished uh, at the cross. Yeah, that's good. Um, six through eleven kind of it, it shifts here to it talks about a render to each one according to his works. Um, you talk about you talk about like a judgment of works there, like we're all gonna mm-hmm. be judged for our works. But you you made a there's a separation there, like there's a judgment of works, but there's also something to change because he says to those who by patience and well doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. What judgments is he talking about here? In this next so, section. Yeah, I, I think that the entire section is talking about the, the future judgment. Okay. is the individual judgment that is going to happen uh, at, at the end of times. Okay. And and this is important to, to separate uh, the judgment that is happening in chapter 1. Because in chapter 1 is a present uh, judgment. The wrath of God has been manifested uh, by letting uh, people basically get immersed in their own sin. Mm. That is a present wrath or judgment that is um, in humanity because of sin. This one is talking about the future judgment that is going to be not to humanity, but to individuals. Mm. So I think that is that is the difference there. The judgment is going to be by works. Salvation is also by works, mm. but not by ours. Like salvation is by the work of Christ. Christ right. accomplished the work that is necessary for us uh, for salvation. Mm-hmm. With our works, we cannot be saved, but definitely we will be judged. Right. And that is what, it, what he's explaining there. God will judge all. Yeah. And, and then he explained verse 7 and verse 10. It's like a sandwich right there. Yeah, okay. Uh, verse 7 and verse 10 right. uh, is talking about those who seek the glory, honor, and immortality. They will get eternal life, no matter if it's a Jew or right. uh, a Gentile. So salvation in Christ is for every single person that believes in Christ, in the yeah. work that Christ accomplished. Yeah, it's like, a, like everyone's condemned. Mm-hmm. But also, everyone can be saved. Yeah, and that's what it says in the middle, in yeah. the cheese and, and ham of the sandwich, <laughs> verses 8 and 9. Yeah. Uh, would ba- basically talk about that. Yes, yeah. you're going to be judged, and you're going to be judged right. by your works. But you're, but you're saved by faith. You're but, saved by faith. But he says, yeah. obey unrighteousness, right? Obey the, he says, obey the truth. 
Mm-hmm. Is it obey the truth or is it saved by faith? Yes. What is what is uh, sharing in in that verse is definitely what we need to see the whole context. When we see the whole story and the the whole segment right. that he's displaying there. Yeah. Verse. 18 of chapter 1 all the way to chapter 3 verse 20 i think it's more than clear that is no one is good (laughs) i think that's the point that he's making there no one is good no one can get uh salvation by their works it's not by works it's by faith that's what he that's his conclusion at the end of chapter 3 right um when he is referring here verse 7 and verse 10 of course it has to be an intervention we don't see it immediately in the text because we didn't cover the entire mm-hmm. uh, portion uh, of section that, that Paul is, is communicating there. But yeah. definitely, if someone is justified, if someone is pursuing uh, God and, and looking for the glory and honor and, 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 and have eternal life, right. Christ has to be involved. Mm-hmm. There has to be faith uh in christ and it was by grace mm-hmm. which he will explain a little bit later in 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 the next chapter i mean i feel like this is chapter very practical in that it seems like all the the issue that he's addressing is how some people are relating to other people they're relating to them as judge as like i'm better than you mm-hmm. and so therefore like it seems like the solution you're all condemned you all can be saved manifests itself practically as well of how you relate to other people. So what what may be something of like, how might the fact that we're all condemned, we're all even playing field of, I'm, I can't get myself to God, and that God had to come and rescue me, for every, everyone, same thing. How does that help us, you know, every day, how we relate to each other in church? How might that practically show itself? I think one of the most difficult things to do as a human being is to is to forgive and to ask for forgiveness. Mm. I think that word is so much complicated like f- f- forgive me like to yeah. say that word is is very is hard. You need to throw all your pride. Mm. You need to uh, like ask for forgiveness and to forgive someone that that hurt you and yeah. sin against you is very complicated. Mm. I think this passage helps us a lot mm-hmm. in understanding. I'm I'm in the same. I mean, some people are hurting right. me. Maybe I'm hurting others. I need to forgive the way that God has forgiven me in Christ. Because right. the moralist wouldn't want to do that. The moralist mm-hmm. wants to make themselves appear good. Yes, the moralist then, is is then praying. Highlight other people's failures. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the moralist is saying, "God, thank you. I'm not like them." Yeah. Um. I think this is is is. It's a great way to to do life together mm. because when we do life together as a church, there's going to be sin mm-hmm. that is going to be happening. Yeah. That's why we need to uh, forgive uh, each other. Yeah. That's why I, I think this helps us a lot because if, if I'm like that, if if my sin is, is total rebellion against God, if right. I couldn't get salvation with my own works... It means that I'm in the same category as every other human being. Yeah. And I have the same capacity to mm-hmm. sin in, in that way. Yeah. But God in his mercy, he uh, basically 
forgave yeah. me. Which, like, right. well, I mean, he gave me life. Yeah. I think this is reminding us how sinful we are, mm-hmm. how great he is, and how yeah. with his goodness and his forgiveness, I need to love and forgive others. Yeah, the Lord's Prayer, right? He says, mm-hmm. like, forgive others. Why? You know, if you don't forgive others, he's, he hasn't forgiven you. you know, mm-hmm. It's like, if you've yeah. been, because you've been forgiven a lot, you know, yeah. there's, it seems to be, it's a very basic principle mm-hmm. of Christianity. Like, we all would say, Christianity, oh yeah, yeah. forgiveness. That's one of the, but yet, like you said, it's really hard to understand. Yeah. And if you think about it's it. it's so important, practical. If, if, if you think about it, what we were talking before. Yeah. Um, when someone sin against us, it's huge. <laughs> but when I sin against other, yeah. ah, that was nothing. Like, right. come on, grow up. Like, yeah. no. Like, we need to, to understand. No, we, we, we sin against other and that's serious. Mm-hmm. And when someone sin against us. Like it's not the 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 end of the world. We need mm-hmm. to we need to keep in mind the way that God uh, has forgiven us in Christ. Mm-hmm. So I think this is a good text to to manage the way that we're handling conflict yeah. between between brothers and sisters within mm-hmm. the church. Amen. Would you mind praying us out on that? Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you for your mercy, for your grace, and thank you for reminding us that we need the gospel, that we need you. Uh, thank you for uh, forgiving us uh, every time that we believe that we can uh, gain uh, favor or gain our own salvation with the things that we do. Forgive us and help us to display the love of Christ and help us to, to live a life that glorifies you. Thank you for this time and I pray that uh, these uh, verses can help us to, to grow and mature in the faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.